Welcome this morning to week three in our series, The Basics. We're looking at relationships, those before anyone else people who you think, I would do anything for you, I would put you first, there's nothing I wouldn't do. We're thinking about what that means, how we do those relationships better. And we've kicked off, Matt kicked us off a couple of weeks ago, Paul last week encouraging us to be other-centered. This week I want to talk to you about love. Yeah, love. We're going to spend some time this morning talking about the most amazing kind of love, the kind of love that breaks all barriers, the kind of love which supports you, which cares for you, which creates a space you can grow in, creates a space you can become the best version of yourself, better than you thought you could ever be, the kind of love that thinks better of you than you think of yourself, And the good news about this love is it's open to every single one of us. If we are lucky enough, you might find that love with with a special person, with a romantic partner, with a spouse, with someone you spend your life with. But this kind of love is not in any way restricted to that. Because this morning what I want to talk to you about is the kind of love that we experience through friendship. And it's the most amazing story. And I want to talk to you this morning about three things focusing on the kind of love that we experience in friendships. I want to talk to you about some perspectives on friendship, some stuff that our culture teaches us that I think we need to challenge this morning, some stuff that we need to think about. I want to talk about the potential of friendship and of this love that we can so easily forget about in our culture. And then I want to give some practical thoughts as to how you do friendship, how you grow friendship, how you explore friendships to meet and reach this potential. How can we all experience this amazing type of love? Because you know what? It does seem like we need to talk about friendship, particularly in this country. Here's a a headline that was in The Guardian in July. It said this, everyone in the UK is a friendless loser. Anyone, anyone feeling insulted by that this morning? Or are you thinking, yeah, yeah, that does sound like me, yeah, yeah. Do you know there was a study that looked at people across all different countries and asked them, how many best mates do you have? BFF, best friends forever, besties, mates, whatever you want to call them. How many do you have? And do you know the British people on average had fewer than any other country? Now, if you're mentally totting them up, thinking, I wonder where I lie on this, apparently the average was 2.6. So if you're thinking, oh, I can manage three, that's pretty good. But don't worry about it. Apparently the maximum that you can cope with in our little human minds is five best friends. So some of you are thinking, I have like 3,000 on Facebook. They are not best friends, people. Some of those people, you don't even remember who they are. They don't even remember who you are. They see your post, they're like, who is this person? Kate Middleton, isn't she a princess? I'm not sure why I'm following her. We're talking about besties, the people you would do anything for. And actually, that is an important point this morning. When we're talking about friendship and love in friendship, what what do we mean? Because we do say friends and you think number of people on Facebook, well, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I try not to think about that because my daughter, who is 14, posts one photo on Instagram and immediately gets over 100 likes. My average is about nine. 
So I am clearly not, not hitting the friendship thing like my daughter is. But we're talking about something deeper than that, deeper than acquaintances, deeper than just people you hang out with. This is a, a quote from another Guardian column from economist Emma Garland. She says, best friends comprise the most fulfilling, long-standing and volatile relationships of your life. They are the legends who will support you unequivocally when you're going through a rough time, but will also tell you when you're behaving like an idiot or have food in your teeth. Do you have friends like that, people who will draw you from one side and that, Kate, no, just deal with that. That's what best friends are. And friendship is a kind of love that is so important, so crucial to us as people. But it's one that I want to suggest today we are increasingly forgetting about in our culture because it's become eclipsed by a type of love that we think about and talk about and hear about a lot more because we only have one real word in the English language for love, which is very limiting. So when we talk about love, we tend to think of a different one. This type of love, this is Eros. In, this is those of you who uh, recognize him on top of his statue in Piccadilly Circus. Eros was the Greek god of love in their culture. Uh, Eros is also the word, the Greek word for romantic love, for desire, ultimately for sexual desire. It is that type of love that you experience in a romantic partnership, in a marriage, in a lifelong committed relationship, but also the sexual love, the desire, the physicality that we talk about so much in our culture. And if we're honest, that's what the word love in English has, has come to mean largely, widely, because we're obsessed with this type of love. We're obsessed with eros. And if we're not careful, we can think that eros is the only way that we can experience that connection, that intimacy, that power of love. And, and our culture is encouraging, particularly the rising generation, the teenagers and young adults, to experiment, therefore, with their sexuality because we need more love in our lives, more connection to meet that yearning that we have. Our culture encourages people, therefore, to explore eros more and more. This is a, a quote from a guy called Sam Albury. He wrote a book called Seven Myths About Singleness, which is an excellent book if you're looking for one on that topic. And he says this, In the West, we have virtually collapsed sex and intimacy into each other. Where you have one, you're assumed to have the other. We can't really conceive of genuine intimacy without it being ultimately sexual. We have, we've narrowed our understanding of love and intimacy and connection and all the things that are so important to human beings. And we've squashed the them all into one box. And therefore, in a time in our culture where we yearn perhaps more than ever for connection, for, 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 uh, for friendship, for, those, for the intimacy that's so important to us, we push ourselves into a place where what we have to do is push the limits of sex and eros so that we can experience that more. And, and I want to suggest that that is a real tragedy, not, not just for that reason, but for three really important reasons. Here's number one. This is going to be a shock to some people. Sex is not enough. Is that a surprise? Oh, nervous laughter. Excellent. Nervous laughter at 10 o'clock in the morning. Sex is not enough to us as human beings. You have a natural, God-given human desire for emotional intimacy and connection with other human beings. And sex is not enough to provide that. It doesn't matter how much of it or a little of it you're having 
whether it's with loads of people or whether it's with your spouse, sex is not enough to meet that need on its own. Sex in a committed relationship is a powerful and amazing part of how God designed the way that we do grow that intimacy and connection. We know that when you have sex with a long-term committed partner, that as part of the hormones released, you release oxytocin, which is that hormone that, that mothers also release when they're breastfeeding an infant. It's, it's the hormone of connection. So we know that sex in your long-term relationship is good for helping develop that intimacy, but it's not enough. And there are other ways of developing that same emotional intimacy. The thing with marriage, which is amazing, is that it's limited to one person. Marriage is a covenantal relationship where you commit your life to one person. We need more than just the friendship in that relationship to meet our human needs. Because there's a problem when we look to sex to meet that need altogether. As I say, it means that our culture starts to push the limits on it to look for it as a source of that intimacy and connection. There's a social psychologist uh, called Eric Fromm, very well known of in this field, and he talked about the illusion of union, where sex promises something that it was never designed to give. And our culture can get so drawn into that. And in our anything-goes society, that means that you push more and more and more to try and meet this yearning that's inside you. This is what a philosopher called Zygmunt Bauman said about the illusion of union. He said, union is exactly what men and women keenly seek when desperate to escape the loneliness they already suffer or fear is to come. Illusion, because the union reach leaves strangers as far apart as they were before. So they feel their estrangement even more markedly than before. Sex is an amazing way to build intimacy in a committed relationship. But where people try and find intimacy in sex outside of that context, at best it fails. At worst it can leave devastation and hurt. And still that gaping hole, because we do need that emotional intimacy. We are designed to need it. It's just not about eros. The second reason that this matters, therefore, is because friendship really matters. The way that we were designed, friendship is really important. And if we think that intimacy and emotional connection can only happen in the context of sex and romance, we limit friendship And the risk is that we miss out on something amazing in the way that we were designed. It's an amazing paradox, isn't it, that our generations now, we are the most connected people ever, thanks to social media. And yet, we are the most lonely ever. We know loneliness is an epidemic in our society Why? Because that isn't friendship. That isn't the connection that we need. We have limited friendship and we have taken the strength and the potential out of it. We need to rediscover it. The great C.S. Lewis said this, those who cannot conceive friendship as substantive love, but only as a disguise or elaboration of eros, betray the fact that they have never had a friend. If we don't realize that friendship has the potential to be another space where we can experience this amazing connection, security, and love, then we miss the opportunity to experience the truth of what friendship is. Like I say, English is really the only language that is so limited as to only have one word for love. Many other languages have a word that specifically describes the type of love that we experience in friendship. 
Japanese, for example, apologies to people who speak any of these languages, by the way, I speak none of them, but they have a word which I think is nakama. That it means a best friend who is embedded in your emotional life. There's an Aboriginal word, kanyanipa. That means the relationship between friends that is more like a relationship between family members. I think my favorite is a Korean word, sarang. That means a friend that you want to have in your life until you die. Someone who is that important to you. And of course, the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, has many more words for love, including a word that specifically refers to the love in friendship, philia or philos. Philos is the word for friend, philia is love. And philia love, like those other words for love, describes something not superficial, not something vague. It describes a genuine devotion and attraction between two people. It has the same strength, the same potential as Eros love, just without the sexuality around it. It is a powerful, life-changing love, a deep affection. This is what Kate Lever says. She wrote a book called The Friendship Cure. Philia is profound friendship, the sort you only really achieve by going into battle together. Philia is all about fierce loyalty, emotional confidence, and even sacrifice in the name of friendship. It's the real deal. This is BFF. This is best friends forever. And this is why all of this matters, the third reason. Because we are designed for this type of friendship. We are designed for real friendship, the real deal. Much more than the Facebook clicks. Much more than just the odd like from someone who we vaguely remember seeing about 10 years ago. And might one day want to talk to, maybe if they're a useful connection for our future career. That's not friendship. This is friendship, the real deal. Within marriage but also outside of marriage, meeting our genuine needs for human connection. Because did you know that the need for connection is built into who you are? It's built into our DNA as human beings right from the start. This is from Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible. And and the opening of Genesis is the creation story. Whether you believe that's a literal truth or whether you believe that that it's a descriptive story of how God created us, it contains the most important truths about who we are as people and the way that we interact with our world. And in it, God looks at everything he's made and sees so much that's good, that is exactly the way he wants it to be. But this is the first not good in the creation story when he looks at the human being he's made and says, it is not good for that human to be alone. That word literally means disconnected. There is something about the way we are designed as human beings that is designed for connection. It is not good if we are disconnected. And there are so many parts of who we are and how we are created that are so clearly about that design. Did you know that in your brain, for example, you have neurons, brain cells that fire off when you're watching somebody else experiencing or doing something in almost exactly the same pattern as they would if you were doing it yourself. That's why you love watching Wimbledon or the football, because when whoever it is scores that amazing shot or scores the goal, somewhere in your brain, it feels a little bit like that could be you who's doing that. They're called mirror neurons. It's an amazing thing. We are designed for connection. Those neurons fire when you're watching someone doing something physically, but also when you are with someone, when you are sharing in an emotional moment, whether it's good or bad, highs or lows. 
the pain or the pleasure. You share something of the emotional response of the person you're with. That's empathy. That's connection. That's how deeply it is part of the way that you were designed. And that's the start of understanding the potential of friendship. We need it because we're designed for it. And we need it on a bigger level. Some of you are yearning for that connection this morning and you don't know why. Some of you, you're, thinking, you're almost feeling guilty. I have loads of friends. I'm married. Why do I feel so lonely? And I want to say to you this morning, that is a good yearning. It is part of the way you are designed. Let's have a look at one of the ancient proverbs in the Bible. I love this. There's so many things I could talk about from the Bible about friendship, but this is my favorite. And it's one of the ancient proverbs written. And it says this, excuse the gender, the person who wrote it was a man, nothing more meant than the gender. So he says, a man or woman of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I love this proverb. I love the idea that friendship offers us a second chance at family. You know, some of of you guys out there, you had the closest families. You had one of those families who you're just best friends. You love each other. You phone each other every day. Not all of us had that. Friendship offers you a second chance to experience those kind of close familial type relationships. Many of you guys in here, you are my family and I love that. I love that second chance to do friendship. I love the way that this proverb compares, though, two different types of friendship. And they are two different Hebrew words. There's a word there for companion, acquaintance, the kind of people you just sort of live alongside. You do a bit of, do a bit, maybe you work with them or you hang out occasionally. But then it talks about the friend who is closer than your family. That is actually an ancient Hebrew word for love. And it is a word for love that's usually used to refer to love in a family context, like a parent would have for a child or something like that and it uses it uses it to talk about true friendship again that indication that there's more but I want to draw your attention to another word the word that is translated here on the screens is to stick closer it's a Hebrew word that literally means to cling to something to make a decision to remain as close as possible to something. And the reason I want to draw your attention to it is it's used in this proverb, but it's also used in a very famous verse that is right back again in the beginning in Genesis. And here it is on the screen. And it's a verse when in Genesis, the, the, the author writes about the origins of marriage. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, clings to his wife. When Jesus quotes this verse in the New Testament, he uses, or the New Testament translation uses a Greek word that literally means sticks like glue. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that the same word that describes the emotional intimacy and connection we have in marriage is the same word that's used to describe it in true friendship. That is so important because we have to understand the type of love that forms when we become deep, deep friends, that you can have that type of love within marriage. It's so important. Don't forget to stay friends with the person you married. It's, it's surprisingly easy to do. It's all right when you first get married, but when, later on when it just becomes you've got work and kids or whatever life is and you're busy, it's so easy to forget 
to remain friends with that person. We'll talk about that in a bit. But more than that, be aware that you can experience that same friendship, that same intimacy, the same closeness, the same security, the same amazing type of love in friendship, in deep friendship. That's the potential of friendship. So if you are not married here today, maybe you haven't been married yet. Maybe you were married, but, but you were divorced, or maybe you lost your partner, you were, you, they died, or something like that. That doesn't mean you can't have this type of intimacy, this type of closeness. And even if you are married, it doesn't mean you only get that from that one person. There is a wider potential to friendship and love than that. It is an amazing truth that when Jesus is talking about the greatest kind of love, it is not marriage he talks about. It is friendship. The greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Jesus, of course, talking about what he was going to do. Another amazing truth from the Bible is that Jesus says that he calls each and every one of us his friends, and he gave his life for us. But also hinting to something else about the amazing potential of friendship love, that it is about the ultimate choice, the ultimate sacrifice. Because we all know you get to choose your friends, you don't get to choose your family, right? And it is about the ultimate choice because that goes both ways. You can choose to ditch your friends where you, well, you can try and ditch your family, but I find they tend to chase you, phone all your different phones. Anyway, friendship is about the ultimate choice of the expression of love. These are people who don't have to be with you, but have chosen to be with you throughout life. And here is the most amazing kind of love. A dear friend of mine said to me not so long ago, and we were talking about love, and I was saying, you know, love can be a scary thing because you, you feel like you have a responsibility to, to that person. You've got to live up to it. What if you let them down? And they were like, no, okay. Love gives you permission to mess up because they will still love you. That's the most amazing truth. And yes, we find that in marriage if we're lucky enough, but we also find that in friendship. Amazing mates who will do life with us, alongside us, walk with us, through the highs, through the lows, through the moments when we're at our best, when we're really hitting it, in the moments when we've messed up and done something so idiotic. Do you have friends like that? I want to finish, therefore, with the practical How do you build this type of friendship? Because we do live in a society that needs help with this. People who struggle with loneliness, with isolation. Perhaps it's not a surprise that the generations who struggle most with that are the generations who are least likely to be in the phase of their life when they are in stable, committed, married-type relationships. The younger generation who perhaps haven't got there yet, or the older generation where they might have lost partners or marriages may have broken down. We need to learn about how to do friendship well because it's hard. So I want to give five tips for deepening friendships, for forming friendships this morning. Number one is this. And yeah, you're like, thanks, Kate. That's really clever. Make friends. But you know what? We so often think that should just happen by chance. We sit at home and we think, I'd really like some friends. But you're sat at home with your phone on Facebook. Let me tell you something that is not going to make you friends. It might make you some acquaintances. It might make some first contacts. 
but it's not going to make friends. Be intentional, be deliberate. Sit down and think, who do I have contact with? Who are the people in my life? Where are the spaces where I might meet people? Do I need to make more spaces to meet more people? Am I too limited? Are all my friends in one space? Do you have any friends outside church, people? Don't actually answer that. But think about your friendships. If you want to do this more intentionally, I have a sheet which you can grab after the service which takes you through how to draw a relationship diagram. It's like a, an exercise you can work through that helps you to think about your friendships where they all are. Be intentional about it. Think about your friendships. What do they look like? Friendship is so easy when you're 14 and hanging out with mates at school. Maybe even when you're a bit older and you're at uni. But then you get into normal life and it's busy, the nine to five of work. If you have got family at home, stuff that's drawing you in, just the practical tasks of daily living. Make time for your friendships. Prioritize them. Sit down and think about what that looks like. Number two then is act. Do something about it. Have you got friends that you would love to deepen that connection with? People you'd love to hang out with more? People you'd love to share with more? Make an appointment. Make a date with a friend. Be intentional. Are there people who you need to say, do you know what? I think we could be really great mates, but we just don't see each other that much. How about we, we, we agree to meet up once a month? Seven o'clock on the way back from London, by the station, we'll grab a beer, we'll chat once a month. So you commit to be there for each other. Let's not only commit within marriage. Let's commit to some of our friends as well to build and develop those friendships. Number three then is build trust. How do we do that? Because friendship is about trust and honesty and vulnerability. You can't connect with someone if you never share with them. Another ancient Proverbs, proverb, Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, The sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. We share stuff. We give advice. We do things together. To do that, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. How do you do it? People, don't, don't just dump all your emotional load in one session on someone you barely know. Let me give you a tip. That is not going to create friendship. It is going to create alarm. I like, John Townsend is a psychologist who writes on friendship. I love his advice. He says this, choose one potential friendship that you think might have the possibility to grow and choose one space. Go for a beer, go for lunch, go for a coffee, whatever it is. And in that lunch, share one vulnerable thing, not the hugest, most vulnerable thing, one thing from what's going on in your life right now and then see what happens. And he says three things will happen. Number one, they might change the subject. Oh my goodness, did you see the rain the other day? Look at the photo of that rainbow I have on my phone. He says, this is not a friend. This is an acquaintance. He's like, hang out with them, go for some more coffees, whatever. Do Have fun, but this is not someone you're going to form this connection with. That's okay. They still have value, but it's not this. The second possibility is they will say, do you know what? I have, I have read a book on exactly that dilemma. Let me share the book with you. Here's the title. Or I had that happen in my life. Let me tell you all about when it happened in my life and what I did. John Townsend said, that, that's a coach. That's not a friend either. Coaches are great. We need coaches and mentors in our life. But they're not that balanced friendship that we're looking for. He says what you're looking for is the third type. It's the person who listens, who gets you, who is glad that you shared, who wants to hear more, who says, do you know what, let's, let's meet up again next week and you can tell me how that's going. That is the true friendship. Build trust together. 
Number four then is share experiences. Do you know what? Friends do stuff together. It's so easy to forget that. We forget to have fun. Who has forgotten? No, don't answer that question. Who's forgotten to have fun here? We forget that that's an important part of friendship. And let me just say to those of us who are married here, that includes your marriage. Did you forget to have fun? I, I, I just want to be honest here. You know, James and I, we've been married 20 years in 2020 because we got married in 2000. It makes keeping count of the numbers really easy. And, and that is hard at our phase of life. It's easy to forget to have fun because you're working really hard. You've got kids, you've got mortgages and the house and somebody needs to remember to do the shopping and preferably wash the kids' clothes. And it's easy to forget to have fun together. Don't forget What do you guys do? What do you enjoy to do together? Make space for it. Have experiences together that you can remember, that you can laugh about, you can take photos of, you can share and enjoy together. Don't forget that stuff. It doesn't all need to be about the deep sharing emotional vulnerability. Sometimes it's just about having a really good laugh. So number five then is S. You notice what I did with the clever letters there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please notice that because it feels very warm and good to me. Anyway, the S is to weather storms together. We worry about putting pressure on our friendships. Oh, I'm having a rough time. I better just disappear. I better withdraw. Our society teaches us that we should isolate and withdraw when times are hard. But real friendship is about give and take and supporting one another. You do your friends a disservice if you don't let them go through storms with you. And you know what? We think the hardest thing about giving support is giving support. It's like, how do I look after someone in the rough times? No, no, no. This is my job. I work with supporting people all the time. Let me tell you what the most difficult thing is about support, accepting it. We battle all the time with people who are going through rough stuff and who find themselves unable to let their friends care for them. They don't know what to do. Oh, don't come round. You mustn't see me. I look rough. I've been crying for days or I've got the flu. I look dreadful. No, no, no. I'll go for a coffee when I'm feeling better, when I'm feeling more up to it. Don't worry about me. Leave it be. I'll be back to my normal self in a bit. Weather storms together, people. Let yourself be seen in your roughest times because then your friends can let you see them in their roughest times. And it goes around, you know. You might need the support this week, but you'll be giving it next week. That's true friendship. That's the potential. Don't miss it. I'm going to finish with this quote. This is a, a Harry Potter quote. Uh, for the, that's, I think, the second consecutive sermon where I've quoted Harry Potter. So I hope you're a fan. This is uh, Hermione in, uh, in the book that we are currently reading with my son, if you're following. This is why I'm thinking of Harry Potter so much at the moment because we are in the obsession with Nathan. But Hermione says this, when they know that Harry's about to go into the roughest, most challenging phase of his life, she says this, and I love this for a description of friendship, we're with you whatever happens. Let's stand, people. Let's pray. Because this is the amazing potential of great mates. Who do you have who's with you, whatever happens? Let's just take a moment. Because I'm aware that this is a difficult topic for some of us. 
Like I say, there will be people in this room who you would never have thought of, who struggle with loneliness, who have moments in the day or in the week when they feel that yearning and they don't know what to do with it. There will be people in this room who have friendships that have broken up, people they haven't seen, people they miss. There will be people who've never experienced this depth. So let's just take a moment to pray. And if you feel comfortable, you can hold out your hands to God this morning. Father God, we just pray your blessing on this time and this space. And we thank you for the amazing potential of friendship. And Lord God, just standing looking out on people here, I can almost see the connections like a great big spider's web that we have between us. Each person connected to other people. Lord God, we pray that through your spirit you would strengthen each and every one of those connections. Father God, create new connections for people who don't have them right now. Grow the ones that already exist. May we be great friends to one another. Teach us the secrets of amazing friendship this morning, Lord God. And for those who struggle, we pray a particular peace, a particular care of your love this morning. Heal wounds that exist, Lord God, where friendships have broken down or have not been there when people need them. And in their place form new depth, new strength, new potential, new powerful friendships. Father, we're so grateful that you also offer us the chance to be friends with you. And right now in this space, I just want to take a moment. You know, if you have not had the chance to make friends with Jesus, if you're here visiting this morning or maybe you've been coming a while and you know you've never been able to do that, as people stand eyes closed and praying, if that's you and you would love to take the step and say, yes, Jesus, I want you as my friend. If you would like a friend who is always there, always supporting, always giving you security and connection, then just raise your hand and I'll just pray with you now. So, or if you would like to recommit to that friendship, you can raise your hand and we can pray about it now. Thank you. Anybody else here this morning? Yeah, thank you very much at the front there. So, Father God, we pray for those people who've raised a hand now, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you long to be their friend, for the amazing truth that you long to be so much more than just God. You long to be friends with us, to do life with us, to love, to support, to nourish, to protect. And as these people make their first step towards that, we pray your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Start something new today that's going to be an amazing strength for the rest of their life. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you are to us all. In Jesus' name, amen.